Hey, y'all. This is the first of two podcasts that are going to be dropping midweek detailing the Longhorn opponent in the Big 12 title game, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We're going to talk about Gundy, what makes him so special, and also preview the Oklahoma State offense and defense. That's going to carry over to a second pod that's going to be a companion to this one that will drop right after uh, or soon thereafter. And then we'll also, in that pod, get into some of the playoff implications and some of the other stuff that's going on with Texas. So hopefully you guys will join us for that little journey and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. I do have one favor to ask from all of you, uh, the wonderful fans of the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. If you have not done so, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever it is you listen, uh, preferably on iTunes or Spotify, since those are the big daddies. But uh, wherever you want to do it, definitely appreciative. I talk to people all the time who are big fans and say really nice things about the podcast. And if I ask them, hey, have you written a review? Have you subscribed? Have you given it five stars? They always sheepishly say, uh, no, I didn't realize I needed to do that. So yes, this is me telling you that you do need to do that. And I do really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Enjoy. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours, and that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning, and right now he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Be asking, where's Randy Boone? Randy, selfishly, is in the Bahamas with his family. Hmm. And he doesn't understand clearly the gravitas of this week of preparation for Longhorn fans, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, to win the Big 12, exercise all these demons, go 12-1, and one, and earn our way into the college football playoff. So, Randy, this is uh, it's a shame that you would value your family and the Bahamas over this important thing. He's in the Bahamas, you say. It That's like what he did. Sounds like he understands it all too well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I, I'm jealous, and uh, I'd like to switch places with him, but I'm stuck on this podcast with Ian. Ah, welcome, Ian. Our model train podcast. <laughs> I got to meet Ian's lovely wife via Zoom just before the pod, and she said, oh, are you guys going to do a podcast? And I was like, we don't do podcasts. What are you talking about? What has Ian been telling you that we do? And she was like laughing her heart out, so... Seemed like a nice woman. Ian outkicked his coverage. Well done. That's the only way to do it, my man. All right, let's talk about a team that may have outkicked its coverage. I'm not talking about the Texas Longhorns. I'm talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who, got to admit, Mike Gundy has turned in another masterful job. The most underrated coach in America, I think, year in and year out. They're 9-3. and three. And if you watched Oklahoma State early in the year or even the middle parts of this year, they did not look like a 9-3 and three football team. And uh, they've turned it around in a big way. They earned their way to the Big 12 title. They did something Texas could not do, which was take care of their rival, the Oklahoma Sooners, in Stillwater. But uh, this is a team that I think has some warts and some stuff that can be exploited. So... I want to talk about that with Ian, and I also want to talk a little bit about the playoff picture. So does that work for you, bud? All right. You're not going to flee to the Bahamas in the middle of this podcast, are you? Very unlikely, as we detailed. Right. <laughs> Good. All right. What are your general impressions of the Oklahoma State Cowboys? Let's talk about their offense. Can I say something about Mike Gundy real quick? Sure. Do it. Beautiful hair. Yeah. Mike Gundy had this um, 
this moment once when he was asked about cocktails and the mixing of cocktails at a press conference once. And uh, he was like, yeah, Joe Bob or some guy taught me this. He's like, you get your tumbler, your glass, fill it up to ice to about right here. And he just starts talking like, this is how you prepare a cocktail, like the perfect cocktail. And it sounds like it's going to be this like elaborate genius thing, right? It's like you fill it up to about right here with Diet Coke and then the rest of the way with whatever, whatever is your choice. And that's it. <laughs> and it was like, this is such a picture of this man where he is outwardly so much like a rube, you know, in a good yeah. old and like all he cares about is like fishing and hunting on his ranch or something. And then underneath is like one of the sharpest minds in college football. No doubt. And it, it just is routinely obscured by like the mullet or the accent or the, I'm a man, I'm 40. And all that. It's, it's crazy. I, I love Mike Gundy. He's one of my favorite things about college football these days. I agree. And we always, I think Longhorn fans always default to Gary Patterson as doing more with less. Some validity to that. <clears throat> I think Mike Gundy is actually a better embodiment of that year in and year out. Now, he's had some very talented teams, just like Gary Patterson's had a couple. But eh, typically, when you look at those teams with a few years of distance, you realize they were still more than the sum of their parts. Yeah. Also, a lot of his like famous good players were not like five stars out of high school. Nope. They got to Oklahoma State and it was like, oh crap, that guy's really freaking good. Like uh, Ollie Gordon, who we'll talk about, because you just asked about the Oklahoma State offense. And so we'll talk about Ollie Gordon because that's pretty much the offense. He was like a low four-star from Euless Trinity. Oh, I think he's a three-star. Texas <clears throat> tried to poach him late in the cycle um, when they missed out on – who did they miss out on last cycle? I can't remember. And Texas tried to poach him late, and he stuck with Oklahoma State, which was probably a good choice on his part because he would not have gotten 215 carries or whatever he's gotten at Oklahoma State at Texas this year. And I don't know. They're all like that. Des Bryant was like a three-star, right? Justin Blackman, James Washington, rural West Texas kid. Lo and behold, they're awesome when they get there. Yeah, Ollie Gordon, three-star, 41st ranked running back in the country, 76th ranked recruit in the state of Texas. Really? Yeah. Did you watch him? I never saw any high school tape. Oh, man. I, I knew that they were getting a, a good one. I, I watched him for whatever reason. I don't remember why. But, um, yeah, he was plainly going to be very good. Yeah, I got to say, whenever Texas fans fret about running back recruiting, I always laugh because unless the guy is B. John Robinson, and it just leaps off the screen right? Jamal Charles, Ricky Williams. There's just a lot of good running backs. And if you kind of know what you're doing and you know what traits to identify, you can go find them. It, it's So if Jarek Gibson wanders off from this recruiting class, I, I bet we'll figure something out. I mean, <clears throat> Texas has a number of guys on campus, right? Trey Wisner, all of a sudden, looks like he might be a really good running back once we actually see him. He's a good special but, teamer. I'll tell you that. He's an awesome athlete, all-around football player, clearly. Jaden Blue has improved leaps and bounds. Yes. I mean, I if I'm Jonathan Brooks, I'm starting to wonder about coming back. You know? Like, do you come back and then risk losing carries to all these guys while you're rehabbing your knee? I still think Brooks is the top dog for a number of reasons, but we don't know. We don't know how complete his rehab will be. 
Yeah, that's the thing. If he's healthy, he's probably the best. Yeah. But uh, if he's not, then there's there's no margin because like Blue and Baxter could both be a thousand yard backs if they had the chance. In typical Polynesian fashion, we are already off the reservation. What seven minutes in, discussing the UT running back backfield, and not the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, hey, I do have to mention something about Gundy. That was pretty interesting. His press conference before the Texas game. Did you watch it? I did. Me too. Did you hear his comments about what they do on Sundays? Um, I think so. Can you, can you remind me? And the so he said, here's the process. Uh, after the game Saturday, we get together Sunday. I have a two-hour meeting with the offensive coaches. Mm-hmm. He said, my background's in offense. I don't – I understand what's going on there. And I have a three-hour meeting with the defensive coaches because I don't understand everything that's going on there, and they have to explain some stuff to me. And you talked about the Rube thing or, you know, here's how you make a cocktail. Put in ice, Diet Coke, and drink X and drink it, right? He says, I go into those meetings – but particularly, you mentioned the defensive meeting, and he says, "Hey, why are we running this scheme? What are we doing? There's nine of you. You all agreed to this. What are we doing?" And he just asks basic questions, and if the coaches can answer it, well, coach, so and so got pressed into action, and he can't cover. We got to protect him. We had to give up that route. He'll nod and go, "Okay." But if you can't explain it, he's going to fix it. And that's an element of Gundy that I think is overlooked. People think he's just an offensive coach. He's a head coach. You don't have that kind of success, sustained success, with as much coordinator turnover as he's had. Can you name a coach with more coordinator turnover than Oklahoma State? No. He's been there a while. And he's been there. And he's not causing it. It's just that people succeed there and then move on. To, to better pay, uh, bigger opportunities. And they don't always thrive, by the way. Some do, some don't. Yeah. But at the, at the core of it, he's a head coach. And he's sort of practicing management by walking around. Poke your head into a meeting and say, why are we doing that? And, and you, it sounds almost simplistic because I think fans and media have a perception that your coach knows everything, is all-knowing, all-seeing. And that's not the case. They, they've got their own stuff to do. They have to delegate. If you can't delegate as a major college head coach, you have no chance of success. But if you don't... That, right? Go ahead. How often have we seen that where a guy gets to a job where delegation matters? Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Couldn't delegate anything. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher, Yes. Tom Herman. But Gundy delegates, but follows up. Yeah. Like, hey, I gave you all this rope. You're hanging yourself with this scheme. And he's not going in there in accusatory fashion. He's just sort of asking the question. Why are we doing that? And if no one can give a good explanation, it's probably because you're just kind of blindly adhering to a certain tradition. And Gundy doesn't have much patience for that. I have a lot of admiration for people like that. And at least it speaks to me because in my life, I try to be the person that takes a step back and goes, what are, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing that? What, what are we doing? This doesn't make any sense. And I think sometimes that's very powerful for organizations, societies, uh, you know, not to get too carried away with it, but that's, I think that's one of the reasons Gundy is so successful. The other part is he just understands talent. And he doesn't, he doesn't understand. Look, anyone can watch some tape of Bijan Robinson as a high school senior and go, Oh, <laughs> wow. But it takes something different to look at tape and go, Oh, here's what this guy will be as a junior in college. That's, that's a very different mindset. And 
Gundy said something else interesting. He didn't mention it in this press conference, but he mentioned it in another one. He said, I stopped recruiting positions on defense. I just go recruit athletes who like to hit and are football players. And then we put them in a strength and conditioning program and we figure out what position they fit. Because I was recruiting positions and what I was ending up with was the 27th best safety. Well, the 27th best safety isn't the 20. He's not even the 27th best safety. Probably the eighth best safety is a converted corner or a converted dual threat running back who can't throw or a running back who's too small or didn't have great hands and you move him to safety and he takes to it like a, you know, a beaver to a, a dam. I just think Gandhi does these sort of simplistic, basic things that other people aren't doing. He's, he's making that cocktail you described. And that's why I admire him. I think he's a great coach. He's great. I mean, he has a knack for um, breaking things down to the most fundamental level. It's almost like um, he's not afraid to be the rude. Yeah. He's afraid to be the idiot in the room. Yep. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Explain this to me like I'm five. Explain this to me like I'm some hick from rural Oklahoma. And if it passes that test, then good. But if it doesn't, then let's go back to the drawing board. Well, also, it's a test of the staff, which is to say, if you can explain it and you're just relying on, well, that's how you do things. Well, that's your tradition. Well, that's what so-and-so does, and he's the best coach in the NFL. Gundy's like, mm, that's not really an explanation. So maybe you don't really know why we're doing this. Maybe that's your cover. Yeah, he's um Norm McDonald once said he was kind of dissing Bill Maher. In fact, I kind of like Bill Maher. But he was like, Bill Maher, he's always trying to like outsmart everybody and convince everyone he's the smartest person in the room. It's like a guy like David Letterman isn't trying to prove anything. And like the genius of David Letterman's comedy to Norm MacDonald was that, uh, and, and Norm was like this as well, because he wasn't, he was like willing to like ask questions and play the part of an idiot to arrive, yeah. or arrive at the most entertaining or the funniest, you know? Yep. You're hearing Norm say that. It was like, a, it was almost like humbling hearing that. It was almost like a, like a, hearing like a, a, a Bible verse or some moral, um, moral teaching that that makes you pause and reconsider your life for a second yeah i mean there's a in various traditions there's a lot to that of the truth teller the rube whether it's a jester or the emperor has no clothes right yeah. the, the people in the court are swanning over the emperor and a peasant is like he's naked um there's an element of that to japanese zen you know, some of the koans and the parables. Um, you know, there's a a famous story that's sort of illustrative of, uh, there's a, a, a famous Zen monk and he's crossing a raging river. And it's a one-man one rope bridge. It's, it's narrow and you have to cross it one at a time. And as he's crossing, another guy meets him halfway. And mockingly says, how deep is the river of Zen? And the monk grabs the guy by his leg and throws him in the river and says, you tell me. So it's, it's that sort of thing. There's, there's that tradition in a lot of different cultures of the, the truth teller, the simple answer. Um, there may there's, be something to it. Is it. The guy that refutes uh, Barkley with his uh, no necessary connection, mental mumbo jumbo. This guy was asked, I can't remember his name. It's a shame. This guy was asked like, what did you think of Bishop Barclay's philosophy on uh, the idea was like, just because you touch a table and you perceive that you're touching the table, 
there's no way to know for sure that there's actually a table there. Your brain could right. just be right. Um, all this like philosophical mumbo jumbo. And the, the guy just like turns and goes to, and kicks a rock and goes, thus I refute him and kicks the rock. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's various versions of that, right? Oh, reality is just a construct or actually we're, it's the matrix or we're just an alien, you know, an aliens program. And it's like, oh, cool. Hey, go jump out of that window. Huh? And Mike, and Mike none of this matters. Go jump out of the window. It's one of ten story building. None of this matters. What's a construct, man? Next thing you know, Mike Gundy is back in the Big Twelve Championship game. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's the segue. So let's talk about the team he's got because he might be a good coach, but X's and O's to a certain point don't matter if you don't have the Jimmys and Joes. And I question whether the Cowboys have the Jimmys and Joes. Other than the running back position, where I'm assured that they have, they'll have the best Jimmy on the field. Uh, what do you think about their offense? And I kind of hinted this, it, at this in our prior podcast, but it seems to me that our press man approach that we used against Tech and utterly destroyed their passing game yeah. is directly applicable to what Oklahoma State wants to do. Yeah, we texted about this, I think, like right after the game, I think. Yep. I was like, do you press the Oklahoma State receivers or do you play off? Because Alan Bowman actually has more interceptions than touchdowns this year. Yep. Because they're so RPO heavy with like stop routes and slants. When he throws picks, a lot of times it's a pick six. This happened last week against BYU and put them in a hole. I think it happened against Houston too. It did. And you know why? No. He's, he's throwing to a spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just throwing to a spot. He literally isn't waiting for a receiver to break open. So Oklahoma State, so I'm going to tell you all something that seems contradictory, but try to keep these two ideas in your head at the same time. And, and in Gundian fashion, I'll try to explain it, right? Because it's one thing to say it, it's another to explain it. And that is Oklahoma State's offensive line doesn't give up sacks. But it's not because they're a good offensive line. It's because they have a passing game where the quarterback drops back and immediately releases the ball to a spot. And if you don't challenge the receiver and the timing of that route or the location of the route, the Oklahoma State receivers will catch the ball. They're big-bodied, sure-handed guys. And then they have one little guy inside, Brendan Presley, who's a good chain mover. He's their slightly upgraded Drake Stoops. Right. Yeah. And they are great at playing catch on these stops and slants and then the occasional vertical to keep you honest, but it's all thrown on timing. It's all thrown to a spot. Well, what happens if you happen to be standing on that spot? What happens if you disrupt the timing of their slant by pressing them at the line of scrimmage? All that construct, all of that carefully orchestrated timing goes to shit. And and Bowman throws a pick six. This is good. I was going to ask you why you preferred press over, say, like playing off and then trying to jump stuff. Because it's you can pick things off. <clears throat> you can pick things off and press, but it's harder. Your eyes are not on the quarterback. Much harder. You're more focused on disrupting the timing, like you said. So the answer is one, I think it you're better disrupting their timing. Yeah. Two, Bowman is a statue in the pocket, so there's no threat of a, a third nine conversion with his feet. Yeah. And three, we're better at it. We're a better defense when we play aggressively rather than trying to uh, look, there's the route tree, <clears throat> and then there is the route stump which is you attack the route tree before it blossoms and you chop it down. Or you can try to read the route tree and where's that branch going to go off to? Let's predict where the sunlight will shine. And we're not very good at that. And I think I have evidence of that, right? And I think I, we have evidence of what that defense and defensive backfield is capable of. Look at the tech game. 
Because how many people the three games prior where Texas gave up over 200 yards passing in each second half at very high efficiency numbers, by the way, how many people in the comments said, Paul, we can't press. Paul, we can't change it up. Our DBs suck. Taff sucks. The cornerbacks suck. Everyone's slow. Jaron Thompson runs a 4-8-40. Well, we changed up some things, and it looks like we can cover some people. Now, I'm not sure we want to roll that out against Marvin Harrison. Georgia? <laughs> or, or Marvin Harrison Jr.? But I can assure you there were multiple Big 12 opponents that we played prior to Tech that we could have rolled that out on and had a lot of success. So anyway, a slight divergence there, but that's why I think we should do it. Why do you think we should do it or not do it? I I think that makes sense. I think um, another reason for is that I think Oklahoma State will be – like in, in in the earlier podcast we recorded, responding to the Tech game, you're like, you know, Texas can surprise people too. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State, I don't know if they would necessarily be surprised, but they are definitely unused to people pressing up their receivers because they have Ollie Gordon. Yes. The team's first thought is, how do we get enough numbers in the box to stop Ollie Gordon? And then once you make that, once you do that, then you're like, okay, now we just need to make sure that we don't get killed in the passing game over the top. So what are we going to do? Since we have like one safety in the box and one deep, we're going to play off coverage. Yep. We're going to let, we're going to make them throw stop routes. Maybe we'll pick one off. Maybe we'll disrupt them because we know they're coming, but, um, we're going to give ground on the outside so that we have numbers in the box and we can get murdered by Ollie Gordon. Texas doesn't have to do that. And they're the first team that's played Oklahoma State, I think, all season long that doesn't have to do that. Texas could go out and just play press quarters, keep the safeties normal 12 yards deep but maybe flat-footed. So they, like, show up against the run, but they're not all consumed with showing up in the box immediately and survive and then what happens no one is really well i don't know what ucf did and i don't know that it really matters because i think oklahoma state just was a no-show in that game but um i think if, if texas played too high press outside and said go ahead we're going to give you the look to run ollie gordon our safeties are going to get there pretty quick but we're not going to just shut you down I think Oklahoma State could run the ball with Gordon like 25 times, pick up 110 yards, and score like 16 points. Interest rates are up and the market is tumultuous. And now more than ever, you need the best darn possible mortgage broker working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow, and you can reach him at 832-557-1095, or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. What makes Gabe so unique? Well, he's incredibly bright. He's a UT grad. He's got a law degree. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years, and he is a true mortgage broker. What does that mean? It means he can shop for the best deal at over 80 different lenders and find you the terms that best suit you. Most mortgage guys you talk to won't reveal that they have exactly one size fits all for you and exactly one conduit to get your loan. If you are in these hyper-competitive markets and you're in these markets that have frankly gotten a a lot less friendly to the consumer, you need the best possible person working on your behalf. That's Gabe Winslow. He has our full endorsement. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Yeah, and I'll be honest, Ian, I actually think if we ran that, the drop-off from their passing game would be so precipitous. It would be almost like Taj Brooks getting an empty 95 yards. Yeah. I think his 110... We'd give up a couple of runs and they'd be okay. But in modern football, I'd rather destroy your passing game. I mean, if you can hold it to 2.4 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if (laughs) Alan Bowman throws for 131 yards on, you know, 
27 or 30 attempts, they're not winning the game. And, and if you watch the OU game, OU was exactly what you described. Venable said, hey, we're not going to let Ollie Gordon beat us. And Bowman, to his credit, shredded them. Throwing the ball against single coverage on predetermined routes. And it was about the same three routes on repeat. Then later, OU got tired of that. And then Ollie Gordon kind of ran the ball successfully a little bit. Um, I don't think we have to make that choice. I think Texas can both keep the run contained and play the pass because I think we're the most complete defense that they'll play all year. If we play like it. Yeah. If we choose to lay off and concede stuff, oh, let's not get beat over the top. Uh, we will give them confidence. We will give them life and they'll actually run the ball better and throw the ball better. I think sort of viciously taking away their passing game, particularly on early downs, some of those things they do to keep us honest or defenses honest, I think it will actually deteriorate the running game too. Because our run defenders will be dedicated to playing the run. And did, did you, did you, are you kind of aware of the evolution of Oklahoma State's running offense and what they did to change everything? Um, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what they did early when they sucked. I know okay, they so did. do you remember how successful they were in 2021 running the ball with a bad offensive line and Jalen Warren? Do you remember what they ran, what schemes almost exclusively? It was all uh, – it was almost exclusively zone read. All zone. Split zone and a little outside zone. All zone, yes, with some quarterback constraints because of Spencer Sanders, right? Yeah. Gundy said, okay, that's our identity. Kept with it, 2022. Early 2023, they were a zone team. And by the way, Ollie Gordon was not the starter. Yeah. It was Jaden Nixon. A few games in, it ain't working. They bench Nixon. They play Gordon more. They realize he's a superstar. And they're just running man and power schemes. Counter gaps, insert power, you know, lead, like 1990s football, right? And he's killing it. Is that going to work against Texas? Unless you can get Anthony Hill to blow a read, and like completely miss a gap, which is possible. I mean, what does Baron Sorrell do to pulling linemen? What does Alfred Collins do to pulling linemen when they're when he's playing on the edge? What did Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy do to guys who are trying to pull? And they're they're on the play side. Like penetration just destroys pulling, right? Or it makes you get so much depth that it destroys all your angles. This is the thing. This is the thing is that they are so dependent on like the, the split zone or the windback where they'll like send the tight end in motion and he'll split block, you know, to help him out. Cause he's like their main tight end is like a smaller receiving guy. Josiah Johnson. Yeah. He's not like a big fizz. He's not Gunner. He's more Jatavian Sanders than Gunner Helm. And he's, you know, the Oklahoma state version. Right. Yeah. Um, and then counter. And Texas is very good at trap blocks and counter blocks. Finally. Like it was the god off. It was a bane in 2021. Yeah. We got destroyed on that. Yeah. We no. could not set the edge to save our lives. No. But they figured it out. They boxed it in. Um, they have the the guy on the outside just play to go find the polar and collide with him. Yep. Deep inside as you can. And it tends to just create a pile up. Um, Ollie Gordon is awesome at finding cutback lanes, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yes. But those just are not there when the defense is boxing it in. And then you've got Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat waiting. So I want to speak to that, Ian, because a lot of cutbacks are created, cutback lanes, I should say, by over-pursuit playside with backside interior defenders who have a low motor. 
Mm. Right? So if y'all are picturing this mentally, think of I'm over pursuing. So I'm now even to this running back who's a much better athlete than me. Uh, Ethan Burke, a very good athlete. He's not Ollie Gordon. If they're squared up in space, Ollie Gordon can run right by him, right? So think over pursuit play side as Ollie Gordon's running out there. But then think lazy, typical FBS defensive lineman. He does his gap and then he kind of dances with the guard and stands there, right? Between that space, there's a hole. And if your linebackers over pursue, which ours tend to do, not Jalen Ford, but Anthony Hill and Benda, there's a big opportunity there. And a guy like Ollie Gordon can drop a 65-yard run on you right there. Murphy and Sweat and Broughton and Collins when he's played inside, they are high motor. They do not sit and dance on the backside when the play is going play side. They pursue. And they discard the dudes in front of them and throw them on the ground. And so when you're trying to cut back, you're cutting back into Devondre Sweater, Byron Murphy. And that's not fun. And Ollie Gordon has made, he's a great back. I'm not diminishing him at all, but he's made hay against defenses that are a substantial step down from the kind of personnel that Texas has on the interior defensive line. And overall defensive one this is the thing right and the this is the classic sec big 12 thing yes sir just that there are not <clears throat> they're not the same caliber of defensive linemen in the big 12 that's kind of the sec thing they have over everyone yeah, yeah. except a couple of one-offs clemson michigan um there are some Big Ten schools that have almost like the next best thing, but they don't have the same. They don't have the same thing. Grit, heart, gumption, size too. Yeah, size. They have like size and motor, but not the same explosiveness. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can segue this into a. Never mind. <laughs> It's a bunch of big old white boys is what it is. <laughs> there you go. You this can say a, it. A bunch of big old athletic black boys down south. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there aren't as many of those big old white boys in the Big 12. They get more dispersed. In the Big 10, they're a little more heavily concentrated. Mostly around pancake houses, in my experience. Uh in terms of Oklahoma State's receivers, I'm fascinated by them because they have been cursed with injury all year. They've, they've got these random dudes from like <laughs> FCS schools and Division II and typical Gundy shit. It's just hilarious. And then they got some recruits that they brought in homegrown uh, who were better than they were pretended to be, right? Or, or thought to be. However, like Tech, their big guys ain't burners. And their one little guy is dexterous and nifty. But he's not – it's not like, ooh, Xavier Worthy has you in the slot. Yeah. ISO'd. Brennan Presley is more quick than fast. He averages less than 10 yards per reception, which I think gives you some context of how he's being used, right? Middle, middle of the field stick mover. Uh, good at it. No, I'm not – you know, he's the number one receiver for a reason. But one thing I will say about their guys outside, not speedsters, but good hands, strong hands. And unlike Tech, they compete much harder for the ball, in my opinion. Tech opened up a big can of quit when things went awry, yeah. which is hilarious given all the trash talk. But you know, they got, Oklahoma State did – I have not seen the receivers do that. Tech got their sixth win the week before they played Texas. Yeah, they were done. Yeah. Did you notice how, uh, you notice how uh, like, affectionate and uh, uh, excited 
that Joey McGuire was for Sark and his success. Yeah. Really, yeah. Really- That's where you go to your creditor and all of your chat over the phone when they were calling you. Like, you come down here, I'll whip your ass. And then they show up and you're like, hey, what's <laughs> up, buddy? Yeah, I'll, I'll get you paid. Just give me some time. Um, Just talk about that. Yeah, Joey's a little conciliatory, uh, a little overly eager to be conciliatory uh, post-game and pre-game. It was funny to see. Uh, we're not here to talk about tech. 50-point win, we've moved on. Oklahoma State on offense, is there – I, I, so I'll, I'll give you my impression of their offensive line. I don't know if you have any. I think they have a good player on their offensive line. Wilson? Dalton Cooper, tackle. Yeah. And then everyone else is sort of a jag. Well, let me, let me say this. I don't have their... Uh... Trying to pull up their roster real quick. Okay. So Dalton Cooper, the left tackle, you just mentioned. It's a Texas State transfer. He's a redshirt senior. Left guard, fourth-year player. Center, fifth-year player, redshirt senior. Oh, yeah. Jake Springfield, all those guys are fifth- and sixth-year players. Redshirts. They're all, all fourth-year is the youngest. Yep. And, Birmingham, the left guard. Do you know who they most resemble? No. Wyoming. Wyoming was actually kind of young in the line, but they are, they have a similar, they have a similar deal. I'm talking about like physicality. Yeah. They also, they line up in the pistol almost exclusively now. Yep. And it, it allows them time to, uh, develop their blocks and it, it makes a big difference that 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 like extra instant of timing for gordon to uh i mean it helps him in a lot of ways gordon sees the sees everything develop a little more easily he gets a little mm-hmm. more momentum the line has an extra minute to have their blocks develop which is huge for the back when he's reading them. Cause like if you get the ball and you have to make a decision on how this double team is going to proceed, like immediately when you get the ball, you know, it's, it's, it's easier if, if it, you have just like that extra instant to see how things are trending <clears throat> and they can still do RPOs from it too. Yeah. Only to one side of the field, which is a limiting factor that Texas by God better exploit. But still. Agreed. Any thought? Should we switch over to the defense? Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Long pause. So I've got three guys on their defense that caught my attention. Can I try and guess? Uh, sure. I don't, I don't know if you'll get them. Let's see. Uh, you'll get a couple. I think you'll get at least one. I think I know you'll get one. You sh- you should get two. You, I mean, Nick Martin. Yep, sh- should have popped for you. Yep. Um. Honestly, I mean, did you hear Sark's uh, presser today? Nope. I'll tell you, Sark was singling out all three of their linebackers. Xavier <clears throat> Benson. Xavier Benson for sure. Colin Oliver, Colin, when when Colin Oliver has to play at the linebacker, he's a uh, pretty mid. But uh, as a pass rusher, I mean, he's like a, he's like a, he's like Anthony Hill. If Anthony Hill hadn't played inside linebacker for three years at Denton Ryan, yeah. So Anthony Hill actually has developed a feel for the timing and the angles and the reads of playing inside linebacker, which is, I mean, it, it's huge. It makes all the difference in the world. Oliver. Well, you... <laughs> yeah. But, so I'll uh, tell you the three, my three. Wait, wait, Cameron, Cameron Epps, the last one. No. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I do like Cameron Epps within the context of what he'll be. 
but after some flash plays, he's uh, proven to be a freshman. Yeah, at corner. But my three are Colin Oliver, okay, Nick Martin, yeah, and Corey Black. <laughs> okay, and here's why. Colin Oliver, you nailed him. He's a he's a undersized dynamic pass rusher when he plays a pass rusher role. But as you said, sometimes they play him off the ball and he's just sort of a mediocre linebacker when he does I was, that. I was talking about Oliver. Did I say Oliver? You said Martin. Oh, I'm sorry. Colin Oliver. Yeah. That's what Colin Oliver is. He's their best pass rusher. He's explosive. That said, most of his pass rushing comes off the edge and frankly it runs directly up against one of our strengths yeah kelvin banks doesn't get exploited by speed nick martin he flashes and he's a good interior blitzer i i i would happily take him in the transfer portal he is not a consistent down-to-down linebacker and he's one of the reasons that people do have some success running the ball on Oklahoma State. And then third, the only guy in their secondary who I think is above average to good in coverage, pure coverage, is Corey Black, their corner. That's Colby Black's uh, older brother, right? Yeah. So I don't think he's great, but he's their, he's their most consistent coverage guy. That said, Oklahoma State gets murdered in coverage against some passing attacks. Would you take, hypothetically, would you take Corey Black in the transfer portal? In order to? (laughs) Just straight up. Nope. Nope. No, we got too much young talent. What if it meant getting Kobe Black? Uh, Sure. Okay. Yeah. Same reason I don't want Jalen Catalan to come back and people get all offended. Old guys who get injured all the time just eat up your reps and they yeah. cost the development of your younger guys. My, Michael Taff offers a lot of what Catalan offers. As crazy I as mean, that is. Yeah, he doesn't hit like a freaking missile as consistently. But I mean, surprisingly often. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying he's lacking physicality. Taff is physical, especially for his size. Catalan just brings more. Uh, but look, the guy played. Uh, he's diminished. He's, he's diminished as a player. And he's going to be injured again. That's the record. So, you know, I feel terrible for him. He was an NFL talent. But, you know, Texas has a lot of young talent in that secondary that they need to develop. So... Slight diversion. Uh, but so those are the guys that stuck out to me. You may have noticed none of them were defensive linemen. And to your point, those guys up front for them are not terrible, but they're sort of mid, as you like to say. And the other problem is Kendall Daniels, the big oversized safety who really flashed as a true freshman. He's basically out of position. Yeah. Yet another one of these oversized nickel experiments that can be exploited and that Texas particularly excels at exploiting. Sark relishes the oversized nickel that people use to blitz. And, you know, so Kendall Daniels, just to give people a heads up, he's about 6'4, 220. Is that fair? Yeah. He plays and he plays in the middle of the field. So I've seen him line up at nickel early, and then now they're trying to switch him to more conventional safety. He's usually in the middle. He's like a uh, in their flyover. He's, he's, he's the middle like, in the three. Yeah, he's almost like the like a Brian Erlacher lining up at depth. Okay. Well, he can't cover. He can't cover right now. The benefit is supposed to be when well, we have this two hundred twenty pound safety that's just racing downhill. Right. All your concepts. The problem is, is that he doesn't see and diagnose things quickly. He's missing. So he's not racing downhill to the ball ever. Yep. 
and he's I, he must have learned through trial and error not to race downhill if you don't know right so he waits back to stop the big play which is not a bad idea against texas because if you can force them to convert in the red zone you're in good shape how did tex giant secondary work for them against texas <clears throat> well not great paul <laughs> yeah that's the problem is if you don't put out if you don't put out the problem early racing downhill yeah. you're now in the open field with xavier worthy mitchell blue it ain't gonna work out great for you So ends our first pod previewing the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We're going to have some more preview that will bleed into the next podcast that's going to be the companion to this. And we'll get into all the playoffs, the implications of the playoffs, the Texas chance of making the playoffs and the national championship. And a good 10 minutes of the end of that podcast is me yelling at Ian uh, for his platonic notions of what a playoff team should be or isn't. Uh, it's pretty amusing, and I think classic contraire, Ian, why we love him. Uh, hope you'll join us for it, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. If you enjoy the pod, they'll appreciate you, and we'll appreciate you. Thanks, y'all. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas, even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. You need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.